Hey Jess, how are you? Oh, meatloaf. Happy Friday, everyone. Um, Friday. Had to start with. Oh, me. that was my favorite karaoke song ever, ever, ever. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. It requires a partner, a singing partner. You and I could do that, Jason. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. It's like That'd a seventeen-minute song. <laughs> That'll be our closing song today. Um, yes. Yeah, sad Aww. day losing meatloaf. Meatloaf died this morning at seventy-four. Ah. Yes, Madeline. Madeline, you're in it too. 15 minutes. Yes, exactly. It's like the longest song ever. So happy Friday, everyone. It is the 21st of January. I hope that um, you've had a good week. Um, lots of stuff always in this never normal world that we live in now, it seems. Um, every week, there's something new and interesting and challenging, yet uh, opportunities abound. So um, how are you, Jess? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Any big news to share? Oh, big news. What a challenge. Well, I finally replaced my car. That's big news. That is big news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish I didn't have to. I had a car I liked. It was stolen. Uh, and now I have another car I really like, which is the same one. Not the same one. Almost the same one I had before. Good. Good. Yeah. Is that the big news you were looking for? The other big news is my distance learning for my kids keeps getting extended and extended. That's not, that's also big news, but not the one that I'm celebrating. <laughs> uh, yes. Louis Anderson passed away this morning also. A Minnesota connection there, Sharon. So uh, thank you for uh, bringing that up as well. Um, no, I, you know, when I asked you for big news, I wasn't actually looking for anything specific. I was just oh. asking, no big news. I don't think I've seen you this week, right? I know. So, uh, yeah. I'm playing teacher. I'm doing a little marketing on the side. <laughs> right. Hey, Joe. Hey, oh, Albany. Hi, Alicia. Next week. Yeah. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Donna. Um, yeah. So um, let's go ahead and get started. For those of you that have never joined us before, uh, we do this every Friday. Um, same place, same uh, IP same. address. Yeah, see my <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know what else to say. I was like, "Where? What are you saying?" <laughs> next Friday, right? We can talk about next Friday, right? Next Friday, we're doing this from a lake in Minnesota, a frozen lake. Uh, we'll be outside, same time, same channel. Um, hopefully, technically, everything will work, and. Uh, we have a great sponsor who's going to be leading us in a submergence mm. into the lake, mm -hmm. the plunge. Mm -hmm. uh, for everyone who's curious, right now it is nine degrees here um, with a wind chill of negative 16. Uh, that's right now. That's this Friday. So by next Friday, I'm sure it's going to feel much better, don't you think? Sunny and 23 degrees, Steve. Um, so... So since we are dipping in a frozen lake uh, together next Friday at this time, would, saying that out loud, I, I'm from here. I embrace this shit. <laughs> but we're literally dipping. Yeah. Madeline, what do you think of this? <clears throat> okay. So since we are doing this, we've said it out loud. We just repeated it. So we're really doing this. Steve, we do need to prepare. Um like I, 
I, I, we wear more than a swimsuit, right? Like, do we get to cover up? Yeah, we need like, a prep. We need a prep call, I think, <laughs> on this, so that we make sure that we've got. Because well, they, what they do is they wear things on their hands and things on their feet. I assume it's that their extremities don't fall off, mm -hmm. right? But we all have other extremities also that I don't understand how that works with. Like, like our legs. Yeah, right, exactly. So um, we need to uh, have a chat. So Steve, we will yeah. do that. And then for the community members that have been on and watching this whole thing play out, uh, you'll get some a notification early next week, scuba gear, Madeline. Scuba yes. gear, yeah, okay. Um, since we've had so many people offer to give money to charity to see Jess and I get in the lake um we'll send out a links uh, a link where you can do that and um and then uh, the following week we're not going to do it next week but the following week we'll have someone from that charity on to uh to talk as well so um thank you guys for encouraging this thanks yes, for doing it for, thanks for doing this for a good cause um and as long as we Oh, Mark, next week we'll be at the lake. If, and by the way, anyone in Minneapolis, uh, we will send out a link with a map. So <clears throat> join the show live uh, yep. since we'll be doing it live. Uh, the, yes, the Art Shanty is going on next weekend as well. Um, every we Saturday. Art Shanty is every Saturday. Last, started last weekend. It's again tomorrow. I'm taking the Diverse Daisies. I'll be out on Lake Harriet with my Diverse Daisies tomorrow. Uh, it's the Art Shanty and the Kite Festival, the Winter Kite Festival. And then, yes, next weekend, Art Shanty continues and the plunge happens. Yes. And just really quickly, I want to call out a project that's happening. Ice Shanty, just so you guys know what the Ice Shanties are. Art Shanties. Ice houses. Art Shanties, excuse yeah. me. Art Shanties that basically uh, over, yeah, there's probably 50 to 60 of them. And basically what happens is people go from shanty to shanty looking at art, looking at certain projects, whether those projects are tied to charitable causes, uh, whether they're just art, uh, whether it's just people smoking things interesting. Um, the art shanties are made of, of everything, it seems. So um, yeah, big art week, installations out on the frozen lake. I have a feeling, weirdly, that might be our most populated event next week, Jess, uh, <laughs> the plunge. Um, might be a big crowd. So uh Will be interesting to see. But we way. do have a great friend um, that uh, is also uh, a very co close friend of mine who has a project called the, the Rainflower Project. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Rainflower Project is, a, like I said, a great friend of mine um, who uh, one, of, one of our friends um, committed suicide a couple years ago and started this Rainflower, Rainflower Project tied to that. I'll put a link in the chat so that you can see it, but we will have the uh, uh, Rainflower Project uh, out on Lake Harriet next weekend as well, for those of you that are going out to the art shanties and get a chance to uh, stop by. Um, I will be there as well. So uh, The sport business can stop, by the way. <laughs> I will have both Friday and Saturday uh, on the uh, on the lake. So, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, and what a great, I saw the link to that, to that particular art piece. It's really incredible, uh, really a powerful um, visual, for sure. Well, Friday, I'll be in the water. Saturday, I'll be on the water. The frozen water. So uh, we always start. Climates like this, Jason, think it's craziness that 
yes, on frozen water. Like I've had to tell people before, you, you can walk on a frozen lake. And yes, you, pl you drill holes, you know, in a frozen lake to do crazy stuff like this, to fish in, in a frozen lake. I, like, I feel like we need to explain that part of it because that's- well, I mean, everyone will see it, but I mean, Steve, feel free to put the link again to the, art, to the plunge or the submergence um, so that everyone can, uh, can see what it is that we'll be doing next Friday. Yeah. Uh, and it will be in the ICU Saturday, Jess says. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully your hair, Jess, Mark. on bank will still look good, even though you'll be in the ICU. Um, <laughs> Priorities. Yes, always. So let's, uh, let's start every Friday. Um, we start with the how are you? Um, and we do it, you know, green, yellow, red. Um, Mark's leaving already? Oh my he God. said he just could drop in today. He has a client. Clients oh, first. Clients first. Yes, yes. Thanks for coming, Mark. So yeah. we start with green, yellow, red. So how is everyone today? Green, feel great. Yellow, so-so. Red, challenging week, challenging day. Not feeling so good right now. Mm -hmm. um, and once again, we do this every week just to do check-ins. Um, just like we encourage everyone to do check-ins with their teams, with their friends, with their families, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we have an overwhelming amount of greens today. Wow. This is exciting. We uh, Wow, um, Madeline's yellow. Oh, but we get to be together, Madeline, in a few minutes. Maybe we can turn you. <laughs> Hi, Mandy. Yeah, so yeah. We, we do always have a few yellows. Yeah. Once again, safe sure. space, you guys. We're not going to call you on the screen. Yeah. Um, once again, this is, a, you know, just by stating, Angie, rare yellow, you must be in Minnesota, not Florida. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's important just to have that safe space to be able to uh, to share how you are. So, um, oh, look at this. People experience coordination. I love that. Oh, Tori. Recruiting coordination to people experience coordination. Uh, wow. Tori almost, she didn't actually know she was doing this, but as a setup, that's actually one of the key components to my fuel keynote on Monday. Um, Jess, I don't know if you want to talk a little about fuel. Um, mm -hmm. It's our big event coming up on Monday and Tuesday. If you yeah. haven't registered, please click on that link below and get registered. Uh, you'll still hear us while you're doing it. So you don't have to look at us. Just go there and register. And I, by the yeah. time you come back, you'll see Madeline on the screen. So uh, go get registered if you're not registered already. Um, would love to see you on Friday, on, excuse me, Monday and Tuesday. Monday, we're going to start with my keynote and some fun. Um, so please don't miss the fun from 1 to 2.30 Central Time on Monday. And then we've got some great sessions on Tuesday. Um, everything, and this for everyone, for vendors, for, con, excuse me, for consultants, for enterprises, for technologists, for HR leaders. So hope, hope, hope you can make it. You know, we have over 500 registered for the event. It's a great, great turnout, and it's going to be very interactive. We're using a different platform called AirMeet, where we'll put you in some tables, have you do some discussion sessions, et cetera, et cetera. So really, really excited. Jess, awesome job, you and your team getting this set up. Josh Rock is here. Josh, you're going to love today's conversation, all recruiting. That's all probably the whole reason Josh is here. I hope so. Yeah. Um, so anything you want to add to Fuel? 
No, it's going to be amazing. This is a Leap Gen hosted event. We did it last year as sort of an industry kickoff, just kick off the year together, uh, set some, you know, set the table for the year, um, establish some priorities, tackle sort of top of mind topics. We can't tackle it all in a two day event, but we sure tried to give you the most important stuff. Two sessions on digital, what it means, how to build a digital experience team, what is digital versus tech, two sessions on tech, uh, and two sessions completely focused on people, people, people. Uh, and and when I say people, we're going to do talent strategies and we're going to talk skills. Um, again, there's lots that we could talk about, but but we feel like there are some burning topics that probably need to be addressed uh, as priorities. So it's going to be, and I've previewed all of the content. We have such brilliant people here at LeapGen and in the space, just people in the space that are doing some really transformational work. Um, the content blew me away, uh, so I can't wait for you guys to see it. Hey, Josh Rock, if you really want to hang with us, you're welcome to jump in the lake with us next Friday. I know you're not that far away. so uh, yeah, Bring some hockey sticks. Bring some skates, Josh. <laughs> exactly. Um, so please join us Monday, Tuesday, and, and you could do us one favor. You could also forward that invite to others, yeah. um, as you know. Uh, we actually built our auditorium huge for this event. Our virtual auditorium which weirdly enough you actually have to build auditoriums now yeah. <laughs> so we still have a little bit of space left um to be sold out quote unquote so please please yeah. please uh invite others as well registration always pops over the weekend to this so um look forward to seeing you all on monday let's get into our topic today jess i'll turn it over to you and i will go find our guest in the back room <clears throat> yes, in the back room. Uh, well, one of the topics that everybody is talking about, sort of ad nauseum, but but that means it's important, right? It's not going away, this great resignation stuff, and everybody's trying to hire in a really tight talent market. Hey, Madeline! Oh, I love your backdrop. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I, you know, I feel like I should be here next week though. This is the, next week is the week to come. I want the art shanties and the polar plunge. Madeline, oh. I've seen you out on ice on your Instagram and Facebook. Like get your ass up here. I know. I'll do the is there like an a prey plunge? Like where you just go and drink <laughs> and wait for you guys to finish? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Possibly. <laughs> uh, well, Madeline, where are you? Yeah. I am um, in Boston and home and in my office, which is now covered with kids art versus my boring blank wall. It's yeah. beautiful. I love the art. Are you uh, are y'all getting a storm? I know that some people on the East Coast are supposed to get a storm, but not you. No, I don't know why New England is just no snow. It's just out. actually not fun for kids that want to be outside during COVID and ski and sled and all that good stuff. So. Mm -hmm. I'd like a little more snow. What about you? Yeah, is it, in North Carolina, South Carolina. I saw in Oklahoma City it was four last night. Oh. Um, so crazy. Yeah, crazy. Do you have snow? Is it snowy? And yeah. Mm -hmm. we yeah. I mean, we have like three, four inches of snow on the ground. Oh, it's um, more than that, isn't it? It's good snowman snow too, Madeline. The kids are loving it. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jess, you were. I saw some pictures of you guys out in the snow last weekend, right? Yeah. Bailey skinned her face on the, you know, she likes to sled down anything, really. It doesn't need to be like anything. She's one of those kids. And she kind of skidded her face against the sidewalk, trying to sled down 
anything and everything. Yeah, we, they're they're out there as much as possible, which I love. You know, Madeline, I am a I am a little scared though because we did get a hot tub here. Oh, nice! So it's so been negative five, negative ten, and then we've been getting in the hundred and four degree hot tub. Yeah. I think I'm going opposite of what I'm going to be doing next week. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah, don't get too used to that. You're yeah, going to condition right. your body the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> Steve probably wouldn't recommend that for training. Um, Maybe just but, run home, get in the hot tub. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, hey, Jess. Oh, awesome. Jess yeah. is doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so Madeline is one of the, if not the leader in the world when it comes to oh, knowing know about the recruiting and applicant tracking well, I shouldn't have said applicant tracking. Oh my God. Oh, tool, tool, tool. Sorry, the recruiting space um, has done some amazing um, research that uh, just came out, which I want to, I want to, I know we want to highlight as well. But I thought, you know, and we thought that based on all of the work going on in talent and all of the, I can't find anyone to work. Um, some of you that follow me on Twitter, I tweeted something yesterday that my mom actually had. Uh, a big shoulder surgery, her shoulder replaced yesterday. And um, all of the healthcare workers are just amazing, those in healthcare. But I was shocked that there was no, there were no services at the hospital open, services like a gift shop, I was gonna bring flowers or a place yeah. to eat. And it had nothing to do with COVID. It had everything to do with they couldn't find workers. Yeah. I mean, I've got five pictures of the signs on the door that I took that said they can't find workers. And right when we were leaving, with I was living with my mom. And one of the reasons that I was there so long was because she couldn't stay overnight. And I was talking to the nurse and I said, well, yeah, you guys are out of beds. So I'm bringing her home and I'm going to be the nurse tonight. And she said, we have plenty of beds. We just don't have any workers. Wow. And, and she's like, so when you hear this concept of no beds, you know, it's no beds that can be staffed, can be staffed. in many cases versus beds. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, Madeline, we're seeing this all over the place, and we've been talking about this. On, and I know you don't get don't get to join this. We've been talking about this every Friday, basically. But would love your thoughts just on like where we are in this. Uh, is it talent shortage? Is it people shortage? Is it what is it? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a talent crisis. I mean, we have this situation where companies can't find people to work, and there are candidates out there yet we're not able to recruit the, the talent that we need. And then on top of that, we've got, you know, the great resignation and the retention issues and internal mobility and, and everything comes along with that. But I think the big issue that isn't talked about enough and is really becoming a big focus for us in the research is the recruiter experience. I mean, companies don't have recruiters. Recruiters are leaving, they're leaving the profession or they're unhappy and they're going somewhere else. They're going to AWS and companies don't have recruiters to find the candidates to fill the roles that they need today. And that's a huge problem. And recruiters, you know, they do such important work. I mean, it's meaningful work. They're building relationships. They're helping people find jobs. They are, you know, working well beyond nine to five. They're working late at night to be able to talk to candidates and, and have these conversations off hours. And companies don't understand what recruiters do. And on top of that, they don't appreciate and value the work that's being done. So they're going to leave and, and go somewhere else. And that's happening all the time. I mean, I talked to a company last week and they don't even think they can staff any campus events, you know, when campus events happen again, because they just don't have the recruiters to staff them. 
Uh, and Madeline, it's not just finding recruiters, <laughs> the frustration of recruiters. I think your report said, is it one in two, half? What, how many recruiters are looking to change their jobs? And would go to, so the, your, your research is really fascinating to me. As a former recruiter, like I wanna cry reading it. <laughs> uh, recruiters would change jobs for better recruiting tech. Yeah, one in two. Yeah. That's insanity. And there's so much recruiting tech out there. So we're- Hold, hold on a second. I, hold on, yeah. I missed that. I missed that. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh -huh. One in yeah. two recruiters would change jobs be, for better recruiting technology? Better, and, I, and mostly sourcing tools. Like they yeah. want to use the tools they know how to use to find candidates in the way that they know how to find them. And I think what's happening now is a lot of companies are focusing on new solutions or there, there's a heavy focus on the CRM and recruiters just don't know how to use these systems. I mean, I don't really know. They don't, have time. they don't have time. So here's what I think the first problem is. We have bloated the role of the recruiter to include everything. The, like what we think the recruiter does. The other thing that was in your research is that uh, recruiters feel largely misunderstood. Most of their leadership and most of business leadership don't actually have a clue what they do. And I, I think that's absolutely true. And the role of the recruiter includes too much. A recruiter should hold and nurture the candidate relationship. You're there to close. You're the best salesperson in the company. You're just not called a salesperson. You, you recruit talent, you help close the offer, you help me. Like that's the primary role of the recruiter, but we give them everything. We expect them to develop and market the employer brand. We expect them to market the actual opportunities, recruitment marketing. We expect them to write job advertisements and to you know, have the manager relationship and to have, like they do way too much. And then we throw all these tools at them. So it's not that they maybe don't want to or can't or like they literally can't own everything that's included in, in that function that, that is talent acquisition. Um, so I think that's the first problem. They shouldn't touch the CRM. There should there should be marketing professionals, recruitment marketing professionals that build and nurture and foster the whole, you know, marketing automation for people. It's the same stuff that your marketing team does. Go mimic that. You don't have one marketer do everything from cradle to grave. So I think that's the first problem. We we've bloated the role, and now they're completely overwhelmed. They have, yes, there's a ton of tech, but we throw the whole toolkit at them and wonder why they're not using all of it. And not all of it's being used properly or really being set up for success. Yeah, not all of it needs to be used either. I mean, I think we have to look at what the recruiter does and what their workflow looks like, and then what is a technology that, that enables them to do their job in a way that you know brings value to the company and, and allows them to, to find candidates and make those connections. I mean, the other interesting thing is like, if you ask any recruiter, we all know recruiters, yes, you were a recruiter. Why do people become recruiters? And typically, what do they like about being a recruiter? Typically, it's the connect with people, you know? Like I have a friend who just went back into campus recruiting and she really loves helping young early talent find their first opportunity. Like it's so meaningful for her to see someone really excited about their first job and how excited, you know, this is, is the start of their career. Um, but when we ask recruiters in our survey, like, where do you where do you spend your time each day? It's reviewing applicants in the ATS, scheduling interviews, scheduling calls with hiring managers. It's all those tedious administrative tasks that leave very little time to connect with a candidate and see the joy that they get from moving along in the process. 
Yeah. And look at Josh's note up above. I believe it. I left 120 racks because of all the hats I was expected to wear on top of it. That's what's happening. That's a very real reality, real reality. <laughs> um, but that's absolutely what's happening. And they can't. So recruiter burnout is huge. It's real and it's huge. So Madeline, full disclosure, I think that Jess invited you on the, today because I was not, she wasn't sure if I was going to be on <laughs> so she could just talk to you the whole time. Um, but I, I'll ask one question and, <laughs> and then I'm going to turn it back over to you, Jess. So this week I've taken four calls from people who say they need a new ATS. And I was just reading some of the chats in here about, you know, someone actually said, uh, and not to pick on it, but have you ever used ADP? You know, and and I was like, so I'm just wondering what you think of this whole, yeah, uh, Bryce, who I love, just said the space is a classic example of piling on tech thing. Yeah. That's the tech that is the silver yeah. bullet. You know, or, you know, mm -hmm. what I like to call frosting on a moldy cake. Um, so like when we think about this ATS thing, and Jess, you and I had this conversation in, where were we? Scottsdale, mm -hmm. um, probably three or four weeks ago. Like, is the ATS dead? Does your ATS need to be perfect? Like, what's the future of the ATS? And I know you probably weren't prepared for that question, but I'm just watching people buy, rip out ATSs, putting in other ATSs. And I don't know if that's going to solve the problem they're trying to solve. Another thing we've asked yeah. to do too much, Madeline, the ATS. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the ATS replacement is crazy right now, Jason. I mean, this is like the oldest area of tech in HR tech, learning management systems and ATS systems, and companies are replacing these systems left and right. And I think there's a couple reasons why. And then I think to your question, you know, is the ATS going to solve for everything? It's not. Um, the, the reason companies are replacing their ATS are a couple different reasons. One is there's been this whole new wave of like TA leadership coming in, some outside the industry, some taking on these roles and they want to come in with their own ATS or they want to have that responsibility of replacing an ATS. A lot of people take pride in replacing systems and the work that goes into that and that feels really good um, and to own that and, and it feels familiar for a lot of people that have done it. So a lot of new leadership in those TA roles want to come in and replace the ATS. So I think that's one of the reasons that's happening. I think the other reason is they're getting budget. Companies have budget for TA tech like they've never had before. The first thing they're gonna do is replace the ATS. Then they're gonna look at the CRM and then they're gonna start to look at other pieces in the ecosystem to support what the ATS does not do. I think the frustration with the ATS has died down a little bit because I think companies realize we wanna start investing in a tech stack that really, you know, takes over TA and does what is beyond just, I mean, you mentioned applicant tracking in the beginning and that is what the ATS is. I mean, I don't think that's wrong that you said yeah. that. I think that's very appropriate because this is a market where the bread and butter is a track applicant tracking system and everything else supports a better candidate experience, a better recruiter experience, but companies don't always know where to go and there's no blueprint for, for building that out. So, you know, CRM is one area where companies just spend money and don't always realize how are we going to use this? How is it, how are we going to implement it? Um, how are recruiters going to actually use it? And, you know, I think then you're left with, we need sourcing technology. Now we need conversational AI. Now we need this and that. Um, 
the one are area some, where are you you're reading some of these chats while you're speak while you're are you seeing some oh i know i'm not as skilled at this as you are i wish i no. was but i'm looking now no so, no it's all good i mean it's just, i mean there's been one question about hey will talent marketplace replace the ats and then another person said we killed the ats applicant tracking system perpetuates transactional hiring next is getting rid of the resume altogether hmm. uh, yeah I, you know, let's kill the resume bryce said let's kill the resume so yeah. go go ahead yeah, I mean, some companies in hourly, I wonder, um, Jenny, you know, I'd love to know what industry, but, you know, there's examples of hourly industries that have replaced the ATS for conversational AI. McDonald's is the most famous example with mm -hmm. McHire of saying, we're not going to use an ATS at all for hourly workers. We're just going to use uh, conversational AI to support. Jenny uses the, the same tech. Jenny uses the same tech. Oh, awesome. You use Jenny's, paradox. A, Jenny's a paradox. Uh, I love right. paradox. I love it. Yeah. I love it, Jenny. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's very effective. And I think that, you know, paradox is not saying we are the replacement for every company, but it does work for a lot of companies, especially in that type of experience. You don't want a two hour long process to apply for a job. Yeah. You know, McHire is you place your order. And by the time you pick your order up, you've applied for a job. Uh, the other stat that it do, doesn't blow my mind, it doesn't surprise me at all, but it should blow your mind. The, the problem with ATS replacement, and you confirmed this in your last report, TA Tech and the modern recruiter, nobody actually asks the recruiter about what will work for them or what tech would be most effective for them to, to do their job and to provide the best candidate experience. So we've got IT and other decision makers making decisions about the tech and then you hand it to a recruiter and wonder why they hate it, won't use it, it doesn't work for them. It's a crappy recruiter experience and an even worse candidate experience. Nobody asks the right stakeholders. Uh, so you're, you know, you're putting in some big suite. Even worse, you're putting in the whole suite and you're totally married to it because they've got every other piece of product too. And so you're really stuck with it. And recruiters, like that, that's why one in two recruiters will change jobs for better tech because they can't function effectively in the ecosystem you've built for them without asking them. So is that, so how should, if ATS replacement is totally necessary, and sometimes it is, um, have you seen some organizations kind of doing those, you know, bringing recruiting folks into the decision-making process and consulting on that? Yeah, you know, not enough. And I think that's the unfortunate piece. I mean, we found like, I think it was a third of, companies that recruiters are involved. And then you have sourcers who yeah. are using the technology. It was like 12% of sourcers are involved in the evaluation of technology. I think a lot of companies will ask for input, but at the end of the day, they're building their requirements and then the RFP off of either what they know and what they've done before or what they think they should ask without really taking in you know, the recruiter experience. And I think there's a disconnect between the industry, and it's not just TA leadership and HR leadership, but I think it's the whole industry. I mean, I include analysts in that as well, where we start talking about what should be the requirements, what companies should be considering, what are the solutions that excite us without thinking about how recruiters use it. I mean, recruiters love, you know, Boolean search, and yeah. that might not be exciting to me as an analyst. And, you know, Jess, I think we probably moved past that in our conversations, but that's for a lot of recruiters, that's what they know, and they want solutions that support that. Yeah. And getting the tools to work together. So integrations aren't as hard. They're not, a, it's not a big hairy thing like it used to be, but it's still a thing. It needs to be considered because when none of these tools actually work together or talk to each other 
or do anything, like they don't even coexist. Again, it's just friction, friction, friction. Um, and so, guys, yeah, go ahead, Jason. I say, can you guys talk about the talent marketplace and your views on it? Uh, because I think it's a very un, it's very misunderstood. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of people say we just need a talent marketplace, you know, and I don't think they actually understand a what it is and b what it takes to keep it up. Yeah, uh, it's not just a you put it in and you're done. Um, so, I mean, I'd love for you guys to I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I think the other piece to it, Jason, is like a lot of vendors call what they have talent marketplaces that absolutely are not talent marketplaces. No, it seems to be the thing on the website. Everyone's yeah. got a talent marketplace now. Yeah. And I'm like, are they all the same? Uh, right. Like, I mean, truly, I'm asking you the question because I'm confused. Yeah, it's confusing. I mean, I think it's confusing for me, too, when I see all these vendors. But essentially, the goal of a talent marketplace is any talent, like whether it's internal talent, external talent, or even contingent talent for some companies, um, you know, would be in this marketplace and you're able to, as you have a need, kind of look at this marketplace to be able to fill that. And, you know, there's a skills-based approach to it. And I think that's to me what a talent marketplace should be. It's you have built out a skills framework, you know, through your technology provider, they, they have that capability and you're using AI um, and inference to basically understand what skills people have and what you can know about yourself as a company and what you know about talent in general to be able to understand the complete person and the complete individual to say they're they're the right fit for us or this is how we can help them you know reskill upskill you know develop to be able to have that opportunity in the future um so you know i think it's the benefit is to the company and then the benefit is to the individual as well but you know i think the goal is ultimately that you have a more efficient and effective way to find and engage with talent, regardless of whether they work for your company already or their external talent, or they, you know, want, you know, a different, you know, non-traditional type of, of opportunity. So, mm -hmm. so like, cool. <laughs> Did you want to add something? I apologize. No, I no, I want to see what's going to come out of your mouth now. <laughs> it's always, it is always a mystery, right? So like, why why doesn't everyone have a talent marketplace? Like I like why like and why don't vendors that build ATSs like embed talent market? Like I don't under, like it seems so logical. Like I keep looking for something that's like yeah. magical about it, yet it's not that magical. Yeah, no, it's not that magical, and it's not. You know, we've talked about this before, and then it sort of died down, and now it's like this big topic. Why again. did it die down? Because we had enough people. Is that yeah, because the... I think not enough providers did it, and you know. And I think one reason is like this blending of talent is for some companies scary, like thinking about contingents always managed by procurement. Now we're thinking about, you know, TA always focuses on external, HR typically has focused on internal until very recently. Um, so this kind of merging of responsibility and, and worlds, I think for a lot of companies, they like to keep those silos up. Um, and I think the other piece is there aren't a lot of providers like, the skills component to me is the key to like a talent marketplace. Like you really have to have the skills framework in place and it takes a lot. Like everyone's talking about skills now too, but there are very few providers out there and it's the big providers that do it well that have built these skills frameworks and, and are able to do, you know, skill profiles and, and understand talent in a, 
deeper way that's constantly learning and, and constantly changing and constantly dynamic. Did that help, Jason? <laughs> it's it, that it, easy. It, it, you know, it did help. It doesn't actually help me understand why people aren't doing it more. Um, is it a system issue? What, like where to where to put it? How to how to democratize that information for the business? How to make it portable? Is, is that well, the other thing I, think is I, I just think that people and correct me if I'm wrong. This goes Patrick. Fa I think that's Patrick Foss on the line. Yeah. Uh, earlier in there, who was talking? Like, I just think like like it's easier just to open a wreck. It just seems like that dumb answer that dumb it's still just easier to open a rack why would i search internally like mm -hmm. it's just and yeah. I, I it it drives me crazy so i have to be careful not to get too passionate about it but it goes back to the silo thing to me it's like okay recruiters what's recruiters job open a rack like well maybe there's someone internally but oh let's open a rack and make sure that we you know source it externally yeah. I, I don't i just think that model is has to end yeah yeah, and I think part of it is like change internally. Like I did this roundtable um, a couple of months ago and it was with TA leaders, but it was like internal mobility came up and there was a lot of resistance um, around internal mobility. And, you know, it it struck me, but I, as I listened, it, it made a lot of sense. Like for some, TA, whether it's recruiters or TA leadership, it feels like just kind of a whack-a-mole situation. It's like we are already filling positions. Now we have to backfill positions. Um, it doesn't really help us. And then for a lot of companies, recruiters are incentivized by external external hires. That's what they feel good doing. That means that they've been successful with, you know, these are the, the number of candidates we've brought in that we found, you know, that's their, yeah. their secret sauce. And until we change how we incentivize and motivate and recognize recruiters, they're not going to want to look internally. Mm -hmm. um, there was another interesting piece that came up too from a company that had recently invested in RPO. So, you know, RPO handles all the outsourcing of either recruitment or just sourcing. And what they found is they made this huge investment, you know, TA built the business case, we want RPO. They got the go, they went with this RPO provider, ton of money. And now they were being asked to do internal mobility and think about internal candidates. And they said, well, now this makes our RPO investment look bad because we wanna show all the hires we made through our RPO and how valuable it is for us. Mm -hmm. And this is going to derail us in a big way. Um, it's messy. I think, you know, I think the talent marketplace makes sense. And I think until we can figure out the messiness around internal mobility and how, how and where that fits in and contingents messy as well, then it's going to be not embraced the way we probably would like to see but, it. But, but yeah. Madeline, don't you think this is just because we've all got freaking messy metrics yeah yeah everyone's yeah. got their own measure of success yeah like the rpo has a measure of success the recruiter has a measure of success the hiring manager has a measure of success the learning and development people have a measure of success and it's not all just tied into one which is the right person for the right job at the right time 100 percent. i love that messy metrics can we like do a whole webinar series on that i think that's yeah, yeah i mean this is the yeah. shit that just happens on this show we just make yeah. stuff up <laughs> And then the next thing you know, there's a book, but you know, it is, I mean, th that's what it is. It's messy yeah. because everyone's yeah. doing their own stuff in silos, but I mean, they're all incented weirdly enough based yeah. on the messy metrics yeah. also. Yeah. Well, you said Madeline, it's because recruiters are, are not only incented, but that's how we've defined the function. It's talent 
acquisition, go acquire people for the business. And if we changed, and again, we, not that we want to change too much about the, we don't want to make the role of the recruiter bigger, but I do think it needs to be redefined. If your job is to optimize people for the business, so your first, let's just say your first marching order is to find them internally. If you were incented to do that, find them internally. And if you can confirm, if you can prove to us that we don't have those people inside the business, then you go ex acquire them in the external market, which takes longer. Is, is it still 45 days for an exempt level hire? Like it takes a long time. They're now ridiculously expensive. People are getting expensive and they should be. Um, but it's more expensive to do. So you, you should have to prove that it's necessary to go acquire externally if you've shown that you can't find those people internally. And, and, and when I say find them internally, could they be groomed and built and developed for roles that you have awareness of in advance? Like we don't even do that right. Like Rex land on our desk and everything's on fire and urgent. And of course we knee jerk reaction and, and go find them in the easiest place we think uh, to find them, which, which is externally. So again, a little bit more planning yeah. uh, and, and then sort of like understanding of how to evaluate people internally. I, I, I know it's work. I know that's There's not- There's interesting questions here. It's like who confirms the internal? TA or HR business partner, both. Kyle said thoughts on having a dedicated role to search yeah. internally. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, but once again, does it, shouldn't, that, shouldn't recruiters just be transformed to do that versus yeah. we need a new role? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, you know, I think the other piece is like the what what happens. Like, there's two layers to it, right? One is just promoting. You can find the inter internal candidates. You can let them know in a more effective way about opportunities. You can invite them to be part of a talent marketplace. But then, what happens beyond that? Like, what's the development of them? And what happens when they don't get the job? I mean, there's yeah. a, I won't mention the company's name. I'll be careful. But there's a company that has a, a very strong internal mobility program. 40% of their hires are internal. And what they found is they'd survey and say, you know, survey candidates and internal candidates. And, and they found that 68% were leaving if they didn't get the job. So mm -hmm. that could be people that loved this company and loved, you know, working um, there. And they saw an opportunity, decided to go for it. They were treated like a stranger and then left. Yeah. So that's the downside, uh, and it would need to be managed carefully. But I think, I think, mo I think there's a general assumption out there, and it's unfortunate that if you're going to grow and develop and advance your career, and increase your pay, perhaps that you might have better luck doing it externally. So if you think that's true inside your organization, that that means you have zero zilch of an internal mobility program. And remember. Retention is recruiting too. Retention is recruiting too. Retention is recruiting too. So if you're not if you're not doing anything to develop and retain people and create the the mechanisms for that to happen, which would be a mobility program inside, um, then yes, watch them, watch them go, 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 go. You're going to lose them. So wouldn't you rather keep them internally? I know hiring managers and teams don't want to lose their high performing talent, but your company will lose that person if you don't let them go inside your own organization. Absolutely. So a, a, one more question, or at least at least I have one more question at the moment based on what we've talked about. And I'd love to just get your thought, but also everyone's thoughts um, on this, because 
I, you know, one of the things I talk about in this kind of never normal world, it feels like right now is that, um, you know, just like when 9-11 changed everything, um, you know, I've shared this story multiple times where I used to be able to go to the gate and meet people and, you know, didn't have to go through the um, security. Some people have no idea what that frick I'm talking about. <laughs> trust me. You know, there was something. Um, you know, right now, this whole concept of there's no worker to be able to staff a job, like, is that just going to be the way it is from now on? And, you know, hey, guess what? If you're a bad company, bad, sorry. If you're a company that doesn't treat the employee well, yeah. if you're a company that doesn't provide a good employee experience, not technology wise, but overall employee experience, is this just going to be the way it is where there's not going to be enough people to do all these jobs and either places will close or do you think this is all just going to return to the back to the way it was uh, where, you know, we all just have an abundance of people? I mean, I, 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 this is my little thing I took yesterday. I don't know if you can read it, but it says we will be closing at 5 p.m. today due to short staffed on managers. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. even make any sense. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, is that, yeah. is that just going to be the way it is from now on? Yeah, you know, I I think I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. And I'm looking at the, the comments now, but I think the pendulum swings back and forth. And I think, you know, it, it becomes a market where it's hard to find talent and candidates have the upper hand and are in this power position. And then it swings back and employers employers do. Um, but this year, I don't see that slowing down. I think we're going to be in this situation. I mean, I don't know about um, in Minneapolis or other parts of the country, but here in New England, like summer camps couldn't open last year. They were sent, like people were going to sleepaway camps and coming home because they oh. did not have, people wow. just, the counselors weren't showing up on the first day. So they had to send all these kids that had planned for months and months and all this money back home. So, wow. you know, it's every, every industry seems impacted by this um, and companies, you know, that I think are trying to do the right thing you know, aren't always, always doing that. And it's, yeah. it's an unfortunate situation, but. So let's try to give some hope. <laughs> let's say. Just, wait, just hold on one sec. No, so, no we don't want to be hopeful yet. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Do you, Madeline, do you think that companies get, do you think that companies actually get it? That people are leaving because of a bad employee experience? Not once again, not technology wise, but yep. whether it be pay, whether it be diversity, whether it be bad hours, whether it be whatever it is. I mean, do you think that companies actually get it that that's why people are leaving and they need to up their game? No, I don't. I think it's like I don't a, see it like yet. The basic, I don't see them getting it. Yeah. yeah, it's like the ba it's like the basics, right? You have to be able to look internally and say what's wrong, um, and be willing to accept that feedback. And that's not how a lot of companies or leadership operate. They don't want to see that, you know, they do an employee engagement survey once a year and once a year, they're not really, they're asking the same questions. They're not really looking at what that means or curious about who said what they just want to do it and check that box. Um, I mean, you really have to be honest and say, it's almost like getting on the scale, right? It's like, if you want to start the new year and you want to start a diet or start a plan, um, a lot of people don't want to know what they weigh. They don't want to get on the scale. They just would rather not know. It doesn't feel good. Um, and I think that's, you know, sort of the same situation. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good always to get that feedback. It doesn't feel good to know that, you know, you're a toxic work environment or you're not a safe 
environment psychologically for a lot of employees. Um, you know, the same is true for diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts right now. You know, companies want to spend money on training and just check that box. They don't want to look inside and say, we need to do some serious work and, you know, we're not in a good place right now. And I do think that the whole 2020 and everything that happened in 2020 and still going on today changed people forever. I really do. I mean, I, I and whenever I say that, people are like, oh, blah, blah. And I, I heard what you said about the pendulum swinging back and forth. I don't think the, I think that that pendulum will swing, but I think when it swings, there's still an innate part of us as humans that's changed. Yeah. I hope so. No, we'll all be better yeah. off, but all these people yeah. in the chat are making me really freaking depressed that like they're not seeing any, uh, like, like Jody, there's still retribution from management towards the employee if they say anything negative. Mm. You know, like that. It, yeah. that's once again, not being organizations not listening. Yeah. Um, there's a question from Tori that says, how do leaders actually get to reflect on exit interview survey information and how many people are honest when they leave? Right. Yes, I know this is a hot button of yours, but Madeline, yeah. love your thoughts as well. Yeah, I love I love this comment because I think um, I think both things are true. I think a lot of people are not honest. You know, you don't want to burn bridges and you don't know if you'll be back at an organization that, you know, a lot of people, there are a lot of boomerangs, a lot of people go back. So people aren't always honest. I mean, I know. I know even in my experience leaving companies, I don't want to say how I really felt. Um, and then I think, you know, people brush off the exit interviews. And I, from what I've heard from a lot of companies too, some have stopped doing them, which I think is unfortunate as well. And I think Jason goes back to your point earlier, are we really ready to, are companies, you know, really seeing the employee experience for what it is and willing to, you know, understand what that experience, that experience is. Um, employee experience is, is bi-directional, right? It's like under, you have, in order to improve the employee experience, you first have to understand what employees want and what they're currently experiencing. And if you don't do that, you can invest in well-being and mental health and, you know, provide a food truck every day after, after work, but you don't understand what the real problem is. Yeah, to, to me, the, the exit interview, and I know there's a comment about why don't more people do them. I'm not saying they're a bad thing necessarily, but the exit interview to me is kind of like the annual engagement survey example you mentioned. Like, who cares at that point? It's too late. Why are you waiting that long to find out what was wrong that caused that person to probably start feeling disengaged, discontented, disenfranchised months ago? that caused their ears to perk up or that made them interested in a conversation the moment their phone rang. Like this started a long time ago <laughs> um, by the time they left. And so if you can find a way to do pulse uh, or stay interviews, why are your most highly engaged, high productive employees staying? Or use indicators, like use little red flags and indicators internally to tell you when talent is restless or when they're disengaged and go have a conversation with them. Do those stay interviews and get valuable data so that you can fix things, optimize things, address, have real conversation in the moment. And maybe you can keep a few people before you, you know, who cares about, yes, of course you care about the exit interview, but it's too late at that point. Right. Yeah, and it's contagious, right? If somebody feels like they wanna leave, um, you know, they talk to five friends and they feel the same way and you kind of create this, you know, this culture of, 
um, you know, people not feeling connected and, and that becomes contagious. The other thing I'll say, hi, Dorothy, I see you in here. You caught one of my comments. I don't even know where I made it. Like tell people it's okay to come back. I know people are fluid right now. The talent market's incredibly fluid. Movement is high. Um, hopefully you can find ways to keep some of that movement in, inside your organization. But the grass isn't always greener. People can and might come back. Create alumni programs. Create return. You know, make some put some levers in place to make it easy for people to come back to you. Let people leave elegantly. Like we do a terrible job of kick, kicking people out the door, or we feel offended when they leave, and we literally slam the door behind them when when like why do we do that? Can we not work like adults? Sometimes it's okay and a good thing for somebody to go do something else for someone else. Make it possible. Keep the door open for them to come back to you when it's time. Um, I, I, we just do such a, a terrible job of you know elegant partings and all of that. Yeah, or they could be a customer. Yes. <laughs> they could be yeah, and sources of referrals. Ask them to help build their own job if they're leaving uh, and, and reward them for doing that. Hey, Jess, let's put another link to that um, uh, Madeline's research mm -hmm. um, down at the bottom. I know we've got the connect with her on LinkedIn, but let's add that uh, link to research as well, if we could, um, from a call to action standpoint. Madeline, anything you want to say about that research? It was it was awesome. Thank you. Um, it was it was exciting because I think, you know, I've been guilty of just thinking about TA tech from a TA leadership and HR leadership point of view and even a little bit of an IT point of view. And to be able to really peel that back and say, let's look at the recruiter, let's look at the people that do the work and see what they think about this, this area of technology and see what their experience is like. And you know, first to see that they're not really understood and their experience is not validated. And then to see that the technology that they wanna use and the way they wanna use it is very different. Um, certainly, you know, help to educate me a little bit more. And I, you know, I will be thinking about that recruiter experience as I do all future research as well. I think it's such an important role. Thanks, Madeline. So you guys should see that link on the bottom um, with the green uh, call to action there. Click on that. Go to it. Madeline, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me on. I'll be tuning in next week to see <laughs> from my warm uh, house and drinking some some warm tea and, and watching you freeze. Does that mean you're not coming to join us? <laughs> I'll do the, I told you, I'll do the a prey, a, a prey plunge. Yes. Madeline, one of the things we try to do, and I love this quote, and since you were yellow, I wanted to try to uh, put it on. Can you guys see that? Um, it's a quote from Louis Anderson who passed today. I really try to have fun. If, if I don't have fun, you won't have fun. Um, if you read that, a good laugh is almost as good as a doctor visit. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what we try to do on here is uh, give people some education, but also uh, give them a laugh here and there as well. So thank you so much for joining. I hope we, you move from yellow to yellowish green. Um, and, Definitely, uh, I feel green now. I think this this was, this was is great. I think, I think the laugh is, I think it is medicine. I love that, Jason, that's great. It is, thank you so much for being here. Love you, my friend. And uh, can't wait to see you live soon, hopefully. Yeah, thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you. Good luck next week. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at this waiver. Uh, we have to like sign. Is there live? Oh, it's getting more fun by the second. It's oh God. Second. So you guys, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. Just any parting words? 
know. Um, we'll see. I hope we see most of you on Monday. Jason, I'm super excited for your keynote on Monday, the rest of our fuel sessions on Tuesday. So let's be good friends for the next week.